Last week, we started this series called Heart, um, Less Than Three, whatever you want to call it. It's all about love, and it's all about how we love the relationships that matter the most to us. And so, like, I could, like, talk about this the entire year, relationships. Last year, we did a series on dating, and we spent four weeks talking about that, and that was a blast. But during this series, over four weeks, we're just taking each individual relationship, and we're talking about just kind of potential, and we're talking about how we, how, uh, how we treat those people that are in our life, whether we have good thoughts about them or bad thoughts, there's kind of some opportunity there, and so that's what this is all about, and so last week we talked about friends, tonight we're going to talk, uh, we talked about friends, and tonight we're going to talk about dating, okay, now dating's fun, right, I mean dating's fun, yes, how many of you say, no, not really? Kind of depends on when I ask you, right? It's supposed, to be, it's supposed to be awesome. It's supposed to be fun. But sometimes it's not. And um, we kinda get a, I'm, I'm going to kind of give you a window just by looking at my own, my own son. I have a seven-year-old. His name's Cameron. And I'll never forget when he was five. He was five years of age. And he came home from kindergarten, all right? And he came waltzing in. And he had in his backpack a note. So he kind of took that note out, and it was from this girl in his class, and it really threw Cat back, all right? Very first note from a girl. And so she wrote this note, and she, uh, Cameron pulled it out of the backpack and showed Cat the note. Dear Cameron, I think you're funny, Gabby, all right? So that, yeah, yeah, that's right. So my boy, he, you know, he got his first note. Now, it didn't have an option like circle yes or no or maybe. It was just, you're funny. And so I just kind of want, I want you to crawl into the mind of my five-year-old, and I want you to know we kind of investigated it a little bit further. And so, Cameron, what would you do when you got the note? Well, I didn't know what to do, so I just kept it in my pocket, and then I read it later on. And so did you, did you say anything to her? Well, I wrote her a note back, okay? So we're like, oh, man, really? What did you write? And so he said, and so this is how he explains it later on. So rather than tell you what he did, I'm going to explain to you what he was thinking because we asked him, like, what were you thinking? But he, he recognized that he was being rec uh, recognized for being funny. And so he's like, well, Gabby thinks I'm funny, so i got to write something funny because that's kind of how she rolls. She likes it when I make her laugh, so I'm going to make her laugh. So he thought really hard. He was sitting there maybe during free time or, or at lunch, and he got out a clean piece of paper, and he's, you know, he, dear Gabby or Gabby. And then he started to write this statement, believing that what she wanted was to laugh. And, of course, he signed it. He signed it, Cameron Swansea. But the line is beautiful, okay? So, like, this is like ladies love to hear this kind of stuff, all right? I don't know how he got this, but he said, dear Gabby, you're fat and you toot a lot, all right? So that, so we're like, no, Cameron. You didn't write that, did you? Oh, yeah. Did you sign that? First and last name, all right? But what a total disconnect. I mean, we're talking about a five-year-old, right? I mean, he's thinking he done well because he's like, this is funny. I mean, when you toot and, you're, and, and all that other stuff, it's funny. So, and I'm like, no, Cameron, that is not funny. That is not cool. I don't know if you understand this, but she probably went home and cried. And if you see her tomorrow, it'll be a miracle, all right? She's probably going to need some kind of counseling because 
you, all right? Actually, I didn't come down on that hard on her, all right? But however she received that and whatever Cameron was thinking, it's kind of like a window, uh, kind of a future window into not just his life but her life. But we can look back on that and we can laugh, right? But even now, you know, with relationships, there are times when we, when we do stupid stuff like that and we're not five years old and, and maybe they're a little bit more consequential. You know, there's, there's heavier consequences than just having to explain, oh, I just wanted to make you laugh, even though none of that applies. I just thought that would be funny, all right? But for you today, I mean, relationships can be tough. They're supposed to be, they're supposed to be easy, come easy to you because everybody wants to be in a dating relationship. And it's weird, isn't it? Because dating can take someone who is secure, they got it all together, that everybody loves them, thinks they're awesome, and they're, it doesn't matter whether they're athletic or they're not athletic, whether they're intelligent or they're, or they're uh, slow or whatever, or they're challenged, okay, mentally challenged. It doesn't matter who you are or what your social or eco, economic status, eco, like your environmentally friendly economic status is, it doesn't matter because relationships have this crazy way of taking a sane person and making them go completely dizzy, spinning them around, making them a nervous wreck, paranoid, confused. Sometimes you, you ride that roller coaster. It's all good, and then it can be also be all bad. I mean, it can bring you joy, but then it can bring you pain at the same time, and, it, and it's weird. So as we talk about dating tonight, I kind of want to remind you, like I did last week, there are going to be some things that I say tonight that you're going to feel like I'm coming at you, okay? I'm not coming at you. I don't know you, but what I want to do is I want to just kind of give you some things to chew on, and you can chew on them. That's all that I can make you do. I'm not going to make you do anything you don't want to do, but I just want you to just kind of wipe the slate clean and pretend like you're starting all over, and you want to kind of get some insight that you don't normally hear, okay? So I'm not coming at you. I'm just kind of sharing some things with you because I love you, and I think it's going to help you. You're going to have to be the judge between you and God whether or not it applies to you, okay? Um, so the very first thing that I want to do, as relationships can be as complex as they are, is that I want to kind of help you understand how you can heart the opposite sex, how you can pursue the opposite sex, how you can, how, how, what you look at when you're, when you're dating. And the, the first thing that I want you to do is I want you to not believe the hype, okay? Don't believe the hype. Now, I think I've got this on a slide, right, Mekala? All right? It might say something. Yeah. We're talking about dating. So don't believe the hype. It's a little blurry. It's a little hard to see. But don't believe the hype. I mean, relationships by themselves, they're not the problem. Please understand that tonight, I'm not talking about you, you should date, you shouldn't date, and here's how you date and all that stuff. But what I want you to kind of understand and we can all agree on is that relationships are not the problem. The problem is, is that the world today places this crazy influence on overvalue overvaluing relationships. They hype up relationships. And you guys kind of live in this, this pressure box where everything that's coming at you is putting this steady pressure on you that you got to be dating, that you have to be in a relationship. I mean, in fact, if you're not in a relationship, people kind of look at you like you're weird. I mean, like you, th there's this crazy hype that that's where it's all at. That's what matters the most is are you dating? Do you have someone? You know, how tight are you and who are they? Because that's just as important as the fact that you are dating. And so you're sitting there and you're hearing this message and you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't have a date. If I don't have a date, I'm going to die and I need to have a date. And so you go to school and, and this, this cultural thing just, it just plays tricks on you. You feel like 
you know, you feel like you're the odd one, like everybody's staring at you. And if you're if you're single for too long, like three months, there's something wrong with you or you're doing something wrong and people want to pray for you. And like, oh, brother, it's going to be all right. I, I lifted you up in my church youth group the other night. And come on, dude, I don't need prayer for that or what. You know, you may feel that way. But then again, you might be like, yes, please, anything. All right. People watch you at school. They check your Facebook status, right? They get kind of freaky. You write something in your status, in a relationship. Oh, my gosh. Woo! Everybody's just, you know, they're texting you. Or they're dropping you messages. Tell me more. Tell me, the, who are you in a relationship with? I saw you change your status. You moved from it's complicated to, oh, full out in a relationship. What? What? You know? And people put all this drama on it. And, and even sometimes, and this is crazy, even sometimes your parents are, are kind of, you know, they don't, it's awkward for them because they see you growing up and their little baby is now dating and they don't know how to deal with it. And so like some people, they, they do nothing and then some people do too much. You know, like we love mom and dad, we're in their backcourt, but you, you know what I'm talking about sometimes when parents are kind of like trying to engineer your dating life and they're like trying to tell you, you know, all these things and, and stuff and you're like, please, I just feel like, you just feel like you're in this box and you're going to be electrocuted by all the pressure and you're like, yeah, you can feel it. We've kind of bought into this idea that our self-worth is tied into our relationships. Like that's what makes you, that's what makes you important. I mean, that's kind of like the benchmark, right? I mean, socially, I mean, people, they creep on your Facebook. They, they text you. They want to know who you're sitting with. You want to be sitting with somebody. You're looking. They're looking. And it's kind of like, well, this is, this is what you're supposed to do. I mean, if you're loved and you're, and you're accepted, well, then, that's going to reciprocate into having a relationship. I mean, that's what everybody tells you. And we've all been there because what this does is it has a tendency to take a sane person and make them go do the craziest things in order to kind of perpetuate a relationship with the opposite sex. And it, and it doesn't start, it doesn't make you crazy overnight, but it kind of starts real casual. And you're like, maybe you met somewhere romantic that's real romantic, like Chick-fil-A, you know, that's maybe where it started, okay? You're at Chick-fil-A. And you're chewing some chicken nuggets, you're with your friends, and you're just kind of, you got your dipping sauce and your waffle fries, and you got your iced tea or your Pepsi. I like the iced tea at Chick-fil-A. So good, so sweet, so yummy. All right, Andy's like, no. So you're eating your nuggets, and all of a sudden you look up, and there she is. And you're like, oh my gosh, she's beautiful. You don't see what she's eating yet, but when she, when she picks up her hand and she brings it to her mouth, She's eating chicken nuggets too. Wow. We got this connection. Okay? So you're like, you're like, man, you can't even eat anymore. You just gotta watch her. I mean, she's beautiful to look at, or or he's awesome. You're eating nuggets, they're eating nuggets, nuggets, it's so beautiful, you know? So you work work up the courage and you you ask your friends, you're like, who is that person? They tell you their name. They know who that person is. Maybe it's kind of like your free lunch at school and, and you're off campus and you get that person's name and then you go home and you don't want to be like crazy or, or be too aggressive. So you give it a couple of hours, you wait till 10 and then you friend request her or whatever, all right? Okay? And then what you start doing is it kind of takes over you and maybe not all of you are this way. Maybe you don't have a problem with this, okay? If you, if you don't have a problem with this, well, then you can just kind of tune me out for a little bit and then I'll bring you back in. But you're, you're sitting there, and they accept your friend request, and that's pretty cool, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Chicken nugget lady. Mm. Okay. 
So you, 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 you got her name, and now you're friends, and what do you start doing? You start creeping, all right? You're looking at all the info, and you're like, she likes that movie? I didn't even think anybody knew that movie existed. She read that book too? Oh, my gosh, this is a match made in heaven. You're checking out the photos. You're seeing what she's into, and you're like, thank you, Jesus. You brought, you brought my, my mate to me, my, my, the bride of my life. This is it right here. You've only known her for like six hours, and you don't even know her. You just know her through Facebook. But it's just kind of like it possesses you. And don't tell me that this isn't tempting because some of you probably won't admit this, but you start playing the name game. Maybe, maybe you don't do this as soon as what I'm projecting, but somewhere along the line, you kind of take, you kind of think you take your first name and you take, you, you take their first name and then you take your last name and you're like, you're like Cat Swansea. Dang, that, that's good. Woo! That's going to work. That's going to work. I can totally see that working. Mm, it's going to be awesome, all right? So you go to bed. You go to bed, and you're like, you're thinking, to, that's what you do. I mean, you're not going to go any further if you're not interested. But what we have a tendency to do because of the culture that we're in is it's all or nothing. I mean, it's, we, we live in this fast-paced, crazy world that when you want something, you've got to have it now. And so you're projecting yourself, and you're just kind of like fast-forwarding yourself through everything and making all these crazy assumptions, and you've already projected yourself as being with that person. It's kind of, you get consumed. You start believing the hype, and you let the hype affect you. I think about my boy Samson. Like, we, we kind of throw in this book here called the Bible, and it might be a book that you have at your house. Maybe you read it a lot. Maybe you don't read it as much as you want to. You recognize it's a cool book, but I don't know where you stand with it. But I don't care who you are. When you pick up the Bible and you really get into it, you kind of find out that, yeah, there's some things in here that they make sense. I mean, regardless of whether you believe in God or not, it's kind of like, yeah, that, that works. I mean, that, that would be true. And so when I talk about Samson, Samson was this guy in the Bible, and God wrote about him in the book of Judges. Now, not like Judge um, Judy or anything like that, but what happened in the book of Judges is that Israel didn't have a king. So I'm kind of kind of bored. I, I got to tell you this, even though it's history, all right, and you're not in school, but Israel, they didn't have a king. And so they would have, need to have these people who would run the country until God gave them permission to have a king or until God let them have a king. And so Samson was, was born. They had been without one for 40 years. And during this time before Samson's born, the Philistines occupy Israel and they're over the Israelites. They're being oppressed. So God says, I've picked, I've picked my boy Samson to be the guy who is going to rescue my people. And so check out what God says about Samson. He says, he says to his mom and dad, now see to it that you drink no wine or uh, do anything or eat anything unclean because you'll conceive and give birth to a son. No razor's going to touch his head. If you know anything about Samson or the story, he had the, like the long locks that couldn't be cut. And he was like, you know, like this super huge muscular dude, all right? And um, the Bible set him. The Bible says that he's going to be set apart from birth. There was something special about him, so he had like this potential. But what happened with him is he had he had this life plan for him, but he got distracted. He started listening to the hype, and he started like, "Man, you gotta if you're someone of importance and people are looking up to you, you gotta you know you, you gotta have a lady." 
And so he would look around and he would make like these horrific decisions because he was under this pressure cooker. I mean, the first person that he dated was a Philistine girl who his parents said, don't date them. They, they're enemies of our people and don't go out with them. But he couldn't help himself, so he did. And what she ended up doing is betraying him two days into their marriage and he gets mad and he just leaves her. And the best, his, his best, um, uh, the, the best man at his wedding ends up marrying the girl that he married. And it was really bizarre and wacky. But it was like modern day drama back then. So like they even had drama back then. And it totally kind of destroyed Samson. But if that wasn't a lesson that he had an opportunity to learn, he goes and, do, and he does it again and again. And what ends up happening is he meets this chick, Delilah. And she just totally works him because he gets in this pressure cooker where when he was once strong and he had once strong self-worth and he knew who he was and what he was destined for, all of a sudden he put all of the attention on her and it totally destroyed him. Now he made that decision. She didn't make him do what he didn't want to do. He did it of his own free will. But what tends to happen when you're in that pressure cooker and you heart relationships in the wrong way and you heart dating in the wrong way, you find yourself getting further and further away from being able to discern what God wants you to do. So he had this tremendous potential, and what happened was is he threw it all away. So you got to be honest with yourself. Is this me? Am I like, am, am I like doing life, and I can't, I don't know what my next God step is because I'm too concerned with relationships, I'm too concerned with being with the opposite sex. I'm kind of like believing the hype and living the hype. You allow yourself to get, be consumed with that person. When you go into a room, is the very first thing is, that you do see what's on the menu? Is that kind of how you wire, you're wired? You meet somebody, you're consumed with them, you got to stalk them. You go into a room, you're like, who's available, who's here? And if that's kind of something that you're noticing about yourself, well, then maybe you have a problem. You know, maybe there's too much hype going on. And, and you're, you're stressing yourself out. And you're creating all this tension for yourself because you don't even, I mean, you're just, you're just like not even yourself anymore. You're just like, this is what you're supposed to do. Now, here's the deal. Listen to me very carefully. Relationships are not wrong. But letting relationships define who you are, how you act, the way you talk, what you dress in, what you wear, and and, and how you're going to conduct yourself and everything you do is through that filter, that's where you're in trouble. Here's a self-evaluation to see if you're kind of believing the hype. You've got to ask yourself your questions. These questions, or get a friend to ask you these questions, a friend that you trust and that you know who loves you. Here's some questions. Am I too into that guy or girl? Am I too into them? And I can't, I can't answer that for you. That's something that you really need to think about. Am I sacrificing too much of myself to make them happy? Am I, is it all about how I spend my energy and my time and all the things that I used to do and the people I used to hang with, I don't even spend that time with them anymore. I'm just like sacrificed everything just for them. Okay? What do I pray about and think about the most? Am I okay with thinking about not being in a relationship? Would I... If I wasn't in a relationship, would, would I be okay with that? Am I okay with not dating for a month, three months? Could I even see myself not dating for a year? What would that be like? Is that like totally blowing, does that blow your mind? Does it, 
freak you out. There's something to be, there's something there that deserves to be asked. Do I feel that deep down I need someone else to be happy? And it, ask yourself that question. Be honest with yourself. Do I feel like I gotta have somebody to be happy? It's a fair question. So that's the first thing. Don't believe the hype. So that's some advice that I want to give you. It might be time to just kind of hit the reset button. Say, you know, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I long for this? What, why is this so important to me? But number two, don't believe the hype. But also, number two, don't be a gambler. Don't be a gambler. What do you mean by that? Texas Hold'em. How many of you guys like to play or girls? Texas Hold'em, all right? I went through a season. I went through a season in my life where all I wanted to do was play Texas Hold'em, all right? Now, I want to be careful because I'm not a gambler, but I watched the game and I studied the game. So, like, when, my, when our friends came over, we played Texas Hold'em. That's what you do when you come to the Swansea's house. I got out my chips, got out the cards. I, uh, cat, I would make Cat play after the friends left. I tried to teach Cameron how to play, you know? Okay, I'm teaching a seven, six-year-old how to play Texas Hold'em. But, like, all I could think about was Texas Hold'em. And so, like, what I started to do was I started to build up this kind of crazy confidence because I was playing a lot and I thought I was good. But I didn't understand that with everything, even though you can think in your mind that you're planning um, everything out, the reality is, is that it's truly a game of luck. It's a game of chance. There's a little bit of skill. But what I would do is I would get confident. And the problem was is that I would find myself in a place to get the game going is that I would go all in, you know, you go all in. You take all your chips and you slide them up and you're like, aha. My problem was is I wouldn't go all in because I wanted to work on my bluff and I wanted to be all that in a bag of chips. So I would go in on like crap, you know, like a jack and a two. Got a jack and a two. I'm going all in, all right? <laughs> and then I'd watch the cards turn and I'd be like, come on, jack and a two. <laughs> Something. Or I'd pretend like it was all good. You know, I'd like, I'd go in again. I would go all in again if I had the chips, and then I would lose, and I would lose it all because I was putting everything on the line, and I was putting everything I had in at the wrong time and with the wrong hand, and I had fooled myself into thinking that I was some kind of Texas Hold'em ninja, and I'm not, and it's the same way with dating and with relationships with the opposite sex. I respect you guys. I love you guys. I'm not trying to demean you. But sometimes we kind of walk around with this big head like we think we know everything, me included, and I take risks that I shouldn't take. And in dating and relationships with the opposite sex, you kind of maybe feel you, you're, you've, got, or you've got this overconfidence, and it's making you go all in at the wrong time in your relationships, and you're putting everything that you have out there and taking a risk, and it sucks when you lose, when your bluff is called. And you don't have anything else to give. You don't have any chips to play. Why do we go all in? Why do we, you know, why is it that relationships and, and dating is so hard for us? Well, for one, we're attracted, right? I mean, you're attracted to someone. I mean, that's the cool thing about Kat is that she's cool and she's my friend and we get to cool, do cool stuff. But at the same time, she's hot, all right? I'm attracted to her, okay? So, you know, that... That's cool, and I get that, and you're going to be attracted to somebody, and you might be attracted to somebody, and, and so we recognize that. There's things about people, not just physical, but 
also, you know, within that attract you, their spirit, the way they handle themselves, who they are, what they're interested in. You're attracted to them. You're not going to pursue somebody that you're not attracted in. So that, that's, an, that, that's a, a given. Another reason why we go all in, we buy into the hype, and then we just put all of our chips out there is that we want someone to hang out with. I mean, the family dog is not going to cut it, all right? You want somebody to spend some time with. You don't want to be alone on Friday night. And if you're in a relationship, well, then you don't have to worry about not having a date to the prom or, not, or being the fifth wheel. I mean, you're not alone, right? We, and that's the other thing is we, we don't want to be alone. We, we also like physical contact, right? I mean, you want somebody to hold your hand. You want somebody, kiss me out by the bearded barley. I don't even know the song, all right? Okay? But you want, you want somebody to pursue you. Girls, you want somebody to pursue you, to treat you like the princess that you are. Guys, you want to chase that, that babe and conquer, me conquer, me get girl, all right? So you want, you want, Bobby, are you talking back to me? Are you saying what? And you're holding Holly's hand? Bro. All right. You're confused? That's what I'm saying. Okay, here we go. So listen up. So, guys, so we're wired for this. We're wired for this, and it's okay to want to have a relationship with the opposite sex. But, but what happens when we go all in is we just kind of, I'll, I'll give you an illustration, okay? It's kind of like, um, you've heard the phrase, putting all your eggs in one basket. You've heard that phrase, anyone? Maybe only my grandma? I don't know. Okay. So it's like the first, you know, the first relationship that we have that we're born with is family. Okay? You're never going to be, you know, you can't change your family. You can change your friends and all that other stuff, but you can't change your family. And so what we end up doing is we end up growing and we put all of our eggs in our family basket. I mean, we're like, I've got all of my eggs. This is, I love my dad. I love my mom, my siblings. I love vacation with my family. And so you, you know, that's something that you do when you're young. But when you get older, it's not as appealing to you because, I mean, when I went to the parish a a month ago and I went to a concert to go see Matt Wirtz, I took Kat and we went out with our friends. I didn't call my mom and say, hey, you want to hang out till 1 a.m.? and go to a concert, that sounds cool, but, you know, mom's got this role to play, and it's different. I mean, that's why our hearts turn somewhat away from family, because some of those things that we long for need to be filled in companionship and in community, and so it's this natural thing. And so we start putting our eggs, uh, we start taking our eggs out of that basket for whatever reason, and we're looking to place them into something else you got to ask yourself, well, then why don't I put it in the God basket? I mean, God is a part, a relationship in my life. And it's sometimes we do. We're like, oh, we find, we find, we take a spiritual step. And we're like, I'm going to put all I am and everything I have into doing this God thing. But again, you're wired to want to be in a relationship. And that is okay. It's a God-given thing. And so what you find is you find this confusing situation that you're caught in. But, you know, part of that being together with somebody, being, knowing, be, knowing someone and, and being with them, I mean, that's, that's something that you, you, you get with God. But at the same time, it's not that immediate gratification. 
With God, it's an everlasting thing. And so sometimes we, again, we live in this pressure cooker that says, whatever you want, you've got to have it now. So sometimes we're not patient with God, even though he can turn our world upside down. And, he, and he, he's, he's awesome. So we kind of have this tendency to, you know, maybe turn toward friends. And we start putting some of our eggs in our friendships. We seek their advice. We want their counsel. And, you know, the reason we don't put all of our eggs in our basket in our friendships and we start putting them into our dating relationships is because the truth is, I mean, I don't know if you're like me, but when I'm sitting across the table with Diego or Eric, my heart doesn't skip a beat like when I'm with Kat. So like friends can only go so far. Family can only go so far. Sometimes we lack the patience with God. And so the closest thing is to heed kind of that machine within us and pour ourselves into relationships. And so what happens is, is because of the hype and because of our need to be fulfilled, we start all of our time, all of our, everything that we have, maybe even some of our money, our priorities. If we're not careful, what we do is we begin to put all of our eggs in one basket. And it's cool and it's fun, but what happens when that relationship is over? It's all, we're, we're all broke. All of our eggs, all right, everything we put in here, all of the effort and the energy, I mean, it's over when it's over, right? The relationship's over, and you get your heart broke. And all of that effort that you put into it, all of those things that you did, the promises that you made, the late night on the phone, all those text messages, all those notes, the, the money you poured into Valentine's, the things that she said, the things that he said. I mean, when it's over, it's over. And here's the thing. I've watched people who I love very dearly. They just lock down all that they have toward the opposite sex, sometimes for a year or two years or even three years. And what happens is, is during the time when you should be when you should be enjoying your friends, when you should be connecting with your family because you're not always going to have them, when you should be enjoying your hobbies, when you should be growing closer toward God because you guys need him more than you could ever imagine. Instead, you're pouring it into this relationship thing. So when it's all over with, what happens? When you see a bad breakup, when you see people that were like this and nothing could ever separate them, that's all they cared about. When they break up, usually if they have given everything to each other, not just their heart, their soul, but maybe even their body, and there's nothing else left to give, the breakup is so brutal, and it's so hard, and it's so painful, and it's so stressful that when it finally rips apart, everything that you have is just, it's broken. And so all that you have left is to turn around and say, this is what I have. And what I want to advocate to you it's that I don't want your family to get the leftovers. I don't want God to get the leftovers. I don't want your friends to get the leftovers, and you don't either. So there's got to be some kind of balance. There's got to be a moment where you say, am I a possessive, freaked out creeper? Am I keeping things centered? Am I focused? Am I being motivated? by what is around me and I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing? Check out what God said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. 
In other words, what God is saying is there's some things in your life that are they're okay. They're good things. There's nothing wrong with them. But there might be a time in your life and there might be a moment in your life where just because you can doesn't mean that you should. And you're going to have to leverage God's wisdom and seek Him so that you know when the time is right and when it's with the right person. Sometimes that takes a lifetime to figure out. You've got to create that God space and you've got to create that relational space where you don't start warping your mind and going postal and doing things you know you, you, you would never have dreamed of doing. Here's the next thing. Proverbs says this. If you find honey, eat just enough. Too much of it and you're going to vomit. It's pretty cool. I mean, the Bible has a beautiful way of saying things. And in Proverbs, God says, when you find honey, have a ball. But if you eat too much, you're going to vomit. And too much of something, even if it's a good thing, can be a bad thing. So like if you're pouring everything you've got into a relationship and you're pouring in those parts that were really intended for mom and dad, that were really intended for your friends, that were really intended for God and for those other relationships, not just the opposite sex, I mean, you're going to be too much of that. It's actually going to, the seed to your demise will be sown in your success. You'll find yourself saying, Oh my gosh, this is all I have left now. And this is bitter, and this is angry, and this is frustrated. And again, I'm not coming at you. I love you, and I'm just trying to give you some advice that maybe you don't hear. And I just want you to take it, and I just want you to think about it. And then I'll close with this. This isn't a point. It's just a closing thought. Keep in mind when you're dating somebody, okay, when you're in a relationship with the opposite sex, you are writing part of their story. If their life is a book, you're, you're playing a part in that. Okay? You're a chapter. You might be three chapters. How do you want that book to read? Honestly. You want those three chapters, when they look back 20 chapters into their life, when they look at those three chapters, do they want it to be summarized with pain? Abuse, manipulation, confusion. I mean, honestly, take a step back and say, "What am I? How am I treating this other person? And what am I going to leave them with when it's all said and done? Even though you may think it'll never be done, you have to look at it like it might be one day. And if it is, how will those chapters pan out? Will it bring them? Did I bring them pain? Did I bring them joy? Did I push them toward their best as opposed to their worst? How did I handle them? I just want, again, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to the opposite sex, God's kind of wired you to, to for that. He has a time and a place for it. But don't believe the hype. Don't go all in. And realize that you are writing a part of their story. And they're writing a little bit of a story on you. So, seek God in that. Seek God, I thank you for um, these students.